On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from 4diegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Carlos, great to have you in the studio. What an opener that is. It's fantastic. It's the best part of the show, actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's great having you in. Uh, but what? by the way, it's a touch of the brotherhood of bald men That's in the right. studio at the moment. I tell you what, there's you know people sort of equate baldness with mm. not necessarily you know pretty men. Oh but well, there's a lot of rugged handsomeness mm. in this uh, studio right now. Yeah, that's right. You've got to have a great face to get away with this, my friend. I can assure you. But I feel like I'm in a bit of the brotherhood with yeah. you as I look across the desk. Hey, just before we get into the various topics that we want to talk about, what a great ambassador for the great game. Archie Thompson is. I don't know if you mm. caught any of him this morning on Morning Glory. He is magnificent. He has a future alongside you <laughs> once he finishes. The fifth Diego. That's I, right. I'm not sure whether Archie will fit into the Diegos, but uh, he certainly is a bloke who, you know, they're talking about uh, this week, I think, being the 10th year with Melbourne Victory, and it's a, it's a big mm. weekend for them, but it's the 10th year of the A-League, and uh, it's been through its ups and downs for one constant has been one man scoring for fun for 10 years straight. Yeah. And when I say scoring for fun, he's always got that grin. He might be in pain, but he always seems like yeah. he's got that smile on his face. And, uh, and, you know, Archie's had his moments. I still remember when he was agitating for a move to Holland when Gus Hiddink. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, when Gus Hiddink yeah. was coaching the Socceroos, but he was also doing the PSV mm. Eindhoven. And, uh, yeah. and suddenly, you know, the, the smile, he was smiling, but he was agitating for a move at the same time. Got his move, but came back. And, uh, look, I think he's just a legend. He'll, you know, he and Shane Smeltz are the yeah. top. Two top goal scorers in uh, you know Australian domestic football history, yep. uh, especially the A League in particular. Uh, and I just reckon by the end of uh, Archie's career, he'll be way ahead of Shane because I think Shane's uh, he's uh, he's coming to a halt at the moment. Right. Yeah, coming off the bench and stuff like that. I don't think he scored a goal for a while, but Archie's still doing it he's, for Melbourne Victory. And, and not only that, when we, I mean, it's, it's very hard, isn't it, with these start start up organisations and franchises. They've got to build their culture over a long period of time. But in 30, 40 years' time, Melbourne Victory will be this magnificent, massive organisation. They'll look back on guys like Archie Thompson. He'll be, you know, without telling them how to suck eggs, he'll be one of the first guys you you induct yeah. in a Hall of Fame and elevate to legend status within that club environment. It's really funny, uh, Richo, when we were, uh, you know, watching the old NSL and, you know, some of us were devotees to that and a lot of listeners out there were, you know, you get your, your 1,500 people who rocked up to your games every week. And, yeah. uh, and we used to sort of dream of these these clubs that would be AFL-like in that respect, where they have a long history, uh, they're not going to go broke uh, for a while and, uh, or forever, and, uh, and suddenly you get these you know, Hall of Fame-type things. And, and Melbourne Victory's developed into one of those clubs. I mean, if you look at their business lunches and so, yeah. they get 1,500-plus people at those business lunches. Uh, they have the potential of, uh, on home games, if everything goes right in the next couple of years, getting anywhere between thirty and 40,000 people at every home game, depending on where they play. I mean, they're a genuinely big club and guess who the big face of that big club is Archie Thompson and uh, I'm not sure where he is you know in his football right now in that uh, you know uh, uh, Muskie's done such a good job transitioning through all the all you know from the from the failed Durakovic era and Magilton and, and even the Merrick era to what and then the, the short stint of Ange Postacoglu to now yeah uh 
but it's interesting that uh, Arch is still getting a game, and yeah. uh, I'm just wondering how long that's going to go for. I suppose it depends on how much they can eke out of that uh, body that's looking yeah. pretty good, but I think it's probably feeling worse for wear. Well, that that's one of the great challenges for any or, for any organisation and for any coach slash manager is how you transition out your legends of the club with class in a way where... Because every athlete that retires in whatever sport they do, they retire reluctantly. Yeah. You know, unless even if their body completely fails them, they still do it reluctantly. And how you're able to transition them out where they've somehow still keep the positive vibe, that's going to be the big challenge in regards to Archie. And right now, I mean, we had a debate on Diego's last Friday night in the post game. And, uh, you know, who, if everyone's fit, who are going to be your front three at, uh, at Melbourne Victory? You've got Barbarossa, who I believe is probably one of the best three or four performing footballers in the A-League right now. Uh, you've got Barisha, who you've got to play. He's probably first picked. Mm. And then uh, there's Ben Kalfala, who uh, right. he looks a really great player. And even though he's missed a couple of one-on-ones in the last couple of weeks, uh, he just looks a really dangerous type of player. So it's almost out of Ben and uh, and also Archie at the moment. And uh, and you just wonder, you know, on, on any given day, which way you know, is Muskie going to go? At the moment, with international call-ups and injuries and things, they've been able to fit them all in, yeah. whoever's, whoever's available. Had, you haven't had to make that decision. No, no, but it'll be interesting. I think we're getting to that point where yeah. all four of them are going to be fit and wanting to play. So we'll see yeah. how uh, what happens then. Well, this 10-year anniversary gives us an opportunity to look back, and we'll look forward as to what's going on in, and very current in the A-League uh, very shortly. But looking back the 10 years of the A-League and Melbourne victory, using that as our as our case point, because they, they were there right from the start unlike uh, Melbourne Heart in slash Melbourne City. When it was first set up, I can remember being an outsider looking in and, and there was a lot of discussion about the way that all the NSL clubs were based on regions of the world, if you like. Yeah. That you know, South Melbourne Hellas, a perfect example, with the, with the Greek heritage and therefore whether or not an Italian wants to go and play for them, etc. That the whole idea was to try to get rid of all of that. Have they been successful in doing that? Oh yeah, I think the the regional aspects of it, um, and any any, I mean, we've had minor crowd stuff, yeah. but it's all been based on just antisocial behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Not that you're flying a Greek flag or an Italian right, flag okay. or whatever whatever yeah. it is. Uh, so in, on that respect, it was the best thing the sport ever did. Yeah. Uh, having said that. There's a lot of rich culture in the old NSL which I miss. That have been lost. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I and I miss it because For example, was, oh, just, look the way the football was played. I think uh, the type of individuals who were playing it, um, the coaches, uh, just the people around clubs, uh, they were real football people. Right. They couldn't always run a club properly, yeah. but they were real football people, and we saw that. You know, even from the from the NSL right through to the state leagues, and the and, and it was just a lovely. If you if you grew up in that environment, you really felt at home with that. It was generally you know European or South American influence. I grew up with yep. European coaches yep. and South American coaches, and uh, and just being around a club, everyone was football people at that time, and that's and people say. You know how can we how how come are we bred, we bred players like a Kuehl or a Ocon or a Zalich, you know world class players yeah. of Viduka in that in that area, and we're not doing it now. There's there's many reasons why we're not doing it now, but I think in those days, real football people uh, were really uh, embracing you when you went to a club, mm. and if you and you had if you had those skills from a young age, you really got nurtured yeah. on a European or South American brand of football. It was just. And that, that, that's where they got that so-called golden generation came. So I miss all that. And in the early years of the A-League, one thing 
it was a little bit cringeworthy was the almost manufactured, um, you know, crowd mm. sort of stuff. You know, the, the, uh, when I say manufactured, Melbourne Victory was, were genuine. They were authentic. Yeah. From day one, yeah. Olympic Park it was fantastic. But often a lot of the other clubs, it was very manufactured. Yeah, it's and, a bit like 2020 cricket. All yeah. that, you know, they, they manufacture a lot of nonsense on the side yeah. because they aren't unsure about how what goes on the pitch. But now with the success of that, the stuff on the sides become, you know, irrelevant. Absolutely. And I, and I think what's happened over the years, especially since uh, Mel- Melbourne Victory has always been authentic from yeah. day one. Uh, but since West Sydney Wanderers have come in uh, and uh, and there were sort of patches at Adelaide. And, and mm. so suddenly it, it had, it, the, the crowd aspect of the game and the, and the, and the atmosphere and the event uh, has become really genuine, really authentic. And it's taken 10 years for that to happen, but it's a great place to go. And if you add the quality of football that's, that's being played at the moment, suddenly, wow, you know, that's what people are saying. Wow, what a place to go and watch sport. And I love my AFL. I love my cricket. Yep. And now I can love football too Correct. Uh, when these things aren't being played. Yeah, no, you're dead right. Mm. It is a legitimate option for sports fans out there. John and Glenn Huntley joins us. Hello, John. Yeah, go, boys. How are you doing? Very well. That's good. Hey, I've just got a big I told you so from Melbourne City. They went on about how when they reformed as Melbourne City, they were going to be huge and great. And I rang up and told them that um, you've only changed your name. I changed my name to John Holmes a few years ago. But it didn't <laughs> help me. It hasn't helped them any. And it's good that you both got bald heads. You could paint little hexagons on your head in black and white. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm I'm not convinced, though, John, that you're able to say just yet. I, I'm I'm scared you might be doing that a little early mm. because finance is so important in world sport, and with Man City behind the whole city group, they they will eventually make this a success. Yeah, and look, I I had to listen to JP Howcroft and uh, and half yesterday uh, in that uh, hour of power in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, a lot of talk about Melbourne City and where they've failed, and uh, and the fact that uh, you know they, they've just been unremarkable since day one. And uh, and look, you can't deny that. I think you know the players and uh, the performers haven't been there. The results haven't been there. You can't defend that. Uh, but I think. With the takeover of uh, of uh, Man City of of the, now the new Melbourne City, uh, there was a lot of and by the way, you know the players haven't performed, but whether they are good enough, I'm willing to give them a bit more of a, a chance. Uh, Robert Corrin's not playing at the moment. Josh Kennedy's, uh, yeah, Robert Corrin's their marquee player, yeah. who's who's going to be a great player for him when he does get on the field. Uh, Josh Kennedy's joining in January. Uh, I, I think they there was a lot of remnants by way of contracts uh, of players who were there from previous years. You just can't get rid of these players when you've got contracts. So I think you'll see an evolution of that side and that squad over the next you know, 12 to right. 24 months. And when, and with the salary cap and, and all those sort of uh, restrictions on clubs, they just can't get anyone in the world. I think uh, the David Villa thing just didn't work out for them. I mean, from a marketing perspective, it brought attention to the club, but then the fact that he left after four games when he was supposed to play for 10, uh, I think that just was a bit of a disaster from a PR perspective for yeah. them. Uh, look, you know, Melbourne Victories had 10 years to get their act together. They had the whole market to themselves for five years. Melbourne City are finding their way. And uh, and they haven't done it. By the way, on the field, they have not been successful. And that's what, you know, it, it, it stymie every, yep. everything else they're, they're talking about, the takeover, the any programs they have out there in the community. All that 
is zero if you're not winning on the park. So in that respect, the players or the football department's just got to win on the park. They've got all the resources now. It's only been a short changeover in, it's, I think, six games or something. Yep. Uh, so I'll judge them at the end of the year, but it has been very disappointing, and I hear Melbourne City fans out there who are really frustrated. I hear you, uh, but I think you've got to wait to the end of the year to see what, what impact this new ownership is going to have on this side. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us all the way through till 2 o'clock. He is like that famous goal by Diego Maradona. He's just starting in the midfield. He's just gone around his second defender. There's still four ahead of him. just gone past Paul Reid. That's what you've Paul, done? Yeah, just, just shimmy still, past him. There's still yeah. a long way to go. Terry Butcher to come. That's Terry. Watch <laughs> out. You're coming up next. We have uh, Carlos Alberto Diego of the famous four Diegos. Uh, what? Just remind me what my uh, nickname as an unofficial member of the Diego is. Uh, Richidio, Richidio, from way back of there. Course, yes, Richard, yes. when you filled in there, now and again, we had to anoint right. you with something. And... <laughs> Everyone who's anointed always gets an inning out, doesn't <laughs> yeah, that's it? Right, that's yeah. what tends to happen. It's true. That's right. Hey, just quickly, uh, A-League, what did Mike Mulvey do wrong? He got sacked as the well, uh, uh, Brisbane Raw coach. If you count winning the Premiership plus the Grand Final last year and then uh, being anointed the Coach of the Year... Uh, that's what he did wrong. And plus, look, he only won one out of five, out of six games this season so far. Uh, and on the weekend, they, they were on the bad end of a, an own goal, uh, you know, against Melbourne Victory. Yeah. So, look, it had to be more than results. Uh, and, of course, those people that don't know, Mike Mulvey's a coach of Brisbane Roar, and uh, he was sacked. Uh, so, after... repeating that, last year, yep, so won... six games ago, yes, six games ago, he won the championship and he was named the coach of the year. And won the grand final too because they finished top of the league. Won the grand final, coach of the year, and, uh, and six, six games, games in. And they haven't been totally dysfunctional or anything so far this season. They haven't played well, not not to the standard they normally do, but, you know, West Sydney Wanderers haven't won a game either, and they haven't sacked Tony Popovich. So uh, I, I, I'm feeling. What's, what's the word? I think there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Uh, you always hear this thing that he lost the change room. Oh, turn it you up. know, I mean, me in my coaching career, I could never find the change room, but, uh, <laughs> but these guys, these guys they look. Yeah, but I just wonder about. You know this losing of the change room, and and you know whether one or two players aren't liking the the way he's going about it. And uh, but look from from the club itself, they talked about him uh, veering away from you know what that they stand for as a club in playing their football. And I think what they stand for is what Ange Postacoglu did uh, with Brisbane Raw over a number of years and they won, you know, those premierships and he was so, so much success while he was there. So what's he doing differently that he was doing six months ago when uh, he was able to win? Yeah, look, this is all coming from in-house, so uh, I've got no idea unless you can see the training. Now, if he's lost the players, lost the football department, you know, the, the, the Is it heads- a new team? Like, is there a new... Oh, look, I, I think any team that loses Ivan Franich and uh, Bursart Berisha, well, yeah, yeah I mean, he hasn't been able to replace him, so they're starting to sort of having a crack at him about the fact that he hasn't, he hasn't recruited well. So who knows? It just it, I don't think it could be results-driven if he was a respected fellow at that club, uh, what he did last season. The fact that it was interesting because when he took over, he took over from Rado Vidicic, who was the assistant coach under Ange, who had a short reign and was really ordinary. He took over and he didn't start well. In fact, it didn't take long for the fans to have the sack Mulvey you know, placards out in the, yeah. ch- in, the, in, the, in the grounds and so forth. But he managed to turn that around. They ended up winning the, you know, winning the league and winning the grand final and him being coach of the year. So the guy showed that he can, he can win over that group and actually lead them to, to success. Right. So what's happened this year? Who knows? Uh, there, were, there was some talk from the club that uh, they weren't happy with his methods even last year. 
So they had, but had to, I suppose, well, you know, accept the it. The ultimate because, success. Yeah, that's right. So um, I don't know. Who knows what the story is? I think we're still learning as a sport uh, how to deal with these things. If the club is hiring a coach, I think you've got to allow the coach to set the culture, whatever that is. And I think uh, there were some powerful football people above Mike Mulvey, uh, technical directors and so forth, who probably didn't see eye to eye with the way he was going about it, and this was their opportunity to do it. Okay, permanent replacement yet, and has he lost to the sport as well? Where, where will he go? Oh, no, he won't time? be lost to the sport. I think he'll just bide his time. With, you know, a bloke who's... He's you know voted coach of the year, and so he's got a big payout, so yeah. he, he can just sit on his heels. For oh, there's year. talk about him maybe take a legal action over it. So, oh. uh, you know, I suppose that, that you know it's a bit of a long road, and sometimes, you know, you might be deemed as a bit of bitter and twisted if you go down that way. But uh, but I think there might be some other jobs opening up soon. I, I think there's a lot of pressure on uh, Moss there at uh, Central Coast Mariners, and even uh, Phil Stubbins there at. Uh, um, Newcastle Jets, so those jobs might open up down the track, and they're probably clubs that fit him well because they're not necessarily full of resources, and they'll allow him to do what he needs to do. Now, you know, I want to give Phil Stubbins every opportunity at Newcastle Jets, but he's not doing well at the moment. Nathan Tinkler has uh, mm. has made sudden decisions himself over the years on coaches, so <laughs> he yeah. makes a lot of interesting mm. decisions. Uh, let's talk. Uh, well, what will be massive here in Real Madrid? Tell those that don't understand uh, how big Real Madrid is, when are they arriving here, what sort of scenes will we see, crowds. I was privileged to be there when Liverpool Mm. play at the MCG. And as I've said on this station time and time again, I think it is the that singing of the song was the greatest moment in the MCG history. People poo-poo me because I wasn't even actually on the ground. Yeah. But that atmosphere was second to none. Yeah, I mean, so many people have said that, Richo, and people who aren't football people. Yeah. And they just, uh, you know, it, I don't know how people can gravitate to that when they don't know the sport all that well, but obviously they they do. I mean, yeah. people who, yeah. who've been to Anfield, people who, who know the sport, yeah. it's almost second nature to us. But when uh, everyone talks about they had some vision of it the other night actually on TV and it just reminded me of how spectacular that was it's on YouTube Mm. like you check it out on YouTube it's just it just gives you absolute uh, goosebumps. I mean, I I was a Liverpool supporter, grew up, you know, with the old uh, Rush and Dalgleish. Oh, yeah, like yeah, everyone, yeah, did. you barred yeah. for Liverpool because Craig Johnson played there, and there was Rush and Dalgleish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought everyone did. So it looked like everyone about my age was at the MCG yeah, that night. It's true. Well, like the, the t- it really surprised me they got that many because I thought it was just our generation that grew up watching the Liverpool of the eighties and yeah. the seventies and eighties, and even if you go back before that, Kevin Keegan, John Toshak, right. uh, but it, you know. Jim Jimmy Case, uh, Steve Highway, all these fantastic players. Yeah. Emlyn Hughes, you know. Uh, and so for me, I thought that like we'd get sixty thousand, maybe sixty, seventy of of uh, our generation, but ninety five thousand. Uh, and what I liked the most about that is that they played Melbourne Victory. It wasn't a great game in the end, but it was Melbourne Victory got to play them. So who's playing the? Is it so? Is it? Real Madrid, or is it? Someone said, is it uh, Inter Milan? Well, no, it's Real Madrid who's confirmed. That was yes. they announced the other day, and this is the International Champions Cup. They played all over the world. Yep. They played it in America this uh, last year, last you know off season, yep. and they got some incredible amount of people, like a hundred thousand people to games, uh, and they had all the big clubs in the world playing there. So. We've got Real Madrid coming, and there's yet to be confirmed into Milan, and they're talking about Manchester City, but they reckon that'll be confirmed fairly soon. Uh, what I'd like to see, though, I mean, the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo could be here, oh 
would be incredible to watch that guy even at half pace, even in his warm up, to watch a guy like that who's an absolute machine. Would your uh, heart just even beat a little bit extra if you got to meet him? Oh well, uh, what what do you say to a guy like that? I mean, uh, I don't know, yeah, I don't know yeah. what your uh, Portuguese yeah. is like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll learn a few words. Yeah, in, the Spanish, but or? I, I, yeah. Look, I don't think I'll, I think so many people want to get to meet him, but uh, maybe I should hang off uh, Les Murray because he tends really? to meet them all. Yeah, but uh, but just to watch him, and apparently their, their their training base will be at the Amy Park for the whole week beforehand. So if they allow, you know. Almost forget about the game a little bit. Just go and watch them train. Yeah, the experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just go and watch Ronaldo go about his training, especially all the kids out there. Uh, that would be fantastic for you. But uh, but I'd like I'd like a, uh, an A League club involved with this. I and mean, given that they're playing in Melbourne, either a Melbourne City or a Melbourne Victory or both of them. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll they'll have some sort of round robin where. Madrid, Real Madrid will play Man City and Inter Milan, but oh, I just like but how good would that be, though? You know, it'd be great. So imagine Real, Real Madrid versus Inter Milan or Man City at the MCG. If they bring all their stars, it's there'd only, be a hundred thousand people. There. Yeah, yeah, but I think they'll 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 end up they'll end up probably. Uh, I think they come with about two weeks, a fortnight before their starts of the season. So, so they're going to have, yeah. have their boys. Yeah, they, they should have all well, the guys there. They might not. Well, you know, with, I, I suppose well, I've been birds. We've been birds many times. Football supporters over the years promised these big clubs, and sometimes, you know, the, the big G, names. Stevie G was here. Yeah, uh, yeah, but we've had uh, Man United here where Beckham didn't turn up, yeah. and even Alex Ferguson didn't turn up. I mean, this is <laughs> he was busy. Yeah, that's right. But this is the thing: like, you don't want to be disappointed uh, if, the, if if Ronaldo's not coming. I'd like the the promoters to come out very, very soon yeah. and say that he won't be here. Don't. Get everyone to buy the tickets, uh, even though there's so many other great plays at the Real Madrid side. So you'll still want to go and see them, yeah. but uh, but at least you you don't think you've been duped by you know posters no, of Ronaldo point. coming. Uh, we've had that so many times before, but I've got to be uh, I've got to be honest. In the more recent games, all the stars have been coming. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Come on, glass is very much <laughs> half full, my friend. Doug joins us in Preston. Hi, Doug. Good, good afternoon, gents. Uh, I think it's brilliant that these teams are coming out to play. Uh, the one thing I would ask you as a sporting station to do is to ensure that you get the sports ministers and the FFA and anybody else who's involved to ensure that these events are declared events. Uh, I remember last year on KB's show on the 11th of April, a chap from Melbourne Victory, a member of Melbourne Victory, rang in just after nine to say that all the pre-tickets for the members had been sold out within a couple of minutes. And the same happened with the general allocation in the afternoon. And uh, within a couple of hours, everything was up on eBay at uh, hugely inflated prices. Mm. I think it, th- these these clubs can actually request these events to be declared, and that stops the tickets being sold at a higher amount. Right. So uh, that's, that's a good really point of view. Great. Sorry? That's a great point of view. So by they declaring it, as you said, then that forbids it makes it against the law for anyone to uh, to add a little bit of uh, cream on top of them on ebay absolutely correct yes and uh, hugh de la huntley uh, the sports minister hopefully he'll continue he he has stated that he i, I wrote to well, him it's damien drum now because hugh's no longer doing it but, all right okay yeah. damien drum so but whoever's the sports minister the ffa the teams themselves you should be able to get the genuine soccer supporter there not the people who are scalping the tickets at highly inflated prices, because a lot of the soccer sports can't afford that. Yeah, I so, would say, Doug, that uh, given it's a uh, Victoria major major events, 
uh, initiative that they would have that all signed off. I, I'd yeah. be really surprised if they didn't look at that, given that you know we've had ninety five, ninety six thousand with the Liverpool game. You'd think that it'll be a sellout at the MCG if it's Real Madrid and their fair income against the Inter Milan or one of those. So it is going to be an extraordinary moment in Australian sport. We'll just take a quick break. We'll come back. Savio next up. Uh, we'll continue to talk all things the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego. And we're talking the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego. Before we get another point from you, uh, sir, I'm just going all over the shop with you. I'm just doing a freestyle <laughs> and you're handling it perfectly. Sav uh, from Brunswick joins us. Hello, Sav. Hi, guys. How are you going? Thanks Good for night. holding on, bud. No worries. Um, two things. First off, just with regards to the games next year, brilliant news. Um, I missed out on the Liverpool game, unfortunately. I'm going to go to all of these ones. And Carlos, sorry if you mentioned already... Um, the Real Madrid, with all of the teams actually, the um, actual season for them all starts a couple of weeks after the tournament. So yep. I'm assuming they're going to bring their every player. Um, I'm hoping they do anyway. And also Real Madrid, I heard, are going to have a few training sessions at Amy Park. Yeah, um, apparently that's, that's where they're uh, sort of stationed. They're, that's where they're going to have their camp at Amy Park. So daily training sessions there. How much uh, they allow... How many people they allow in to have a look, that's another thing. But you'd think at some stage they'll let uh, the public in to have a look. I'm, I'm going to go to that as well for sure. Um, and the other thing was, I just wanted to rant a bit. Um, rant away. With regards to the um, Champions League results this morning, I'm a disgruntled non-fan of the English Premier League. Yep. Um, I'm sick of it being called the English Premier League because there isn't one English player playing for the major side. Yeah. <laughs> the English Premier League. Hang on. Do Doesn't Wayne Rooney play for one of the big clubs? He's English, isn't he? He's probably one of the only ones that plays no. for the big clubs, to be honest. Um, UEFA need to change the rules. Um, it's about time they stop letting that happen. Chelsea just going by Diego Costa, Man City. I mean, it's a joke what's going on. Well, um, why is it a just... so if, Why is it a joke? Surely if, if, if these English clubs can... Uh, uh, entice the best players in the world to come and play there. Surely it's a great opportunity to see the best players in the world playing on a stage. Sure, it happens to be played in the UK that we get to see live here on Australian television. How is that a bad thing? It's bad for soccer. It Why? Doesn't let, it doesn't let teams that develop youth, like Ajax as an example, is one big club, Borussia Mönchengladbach in Germany. It doesn't let them succeed. Um, it doesn't let general proper viewers of soccer who don't just watch for the entertainment value to get a good grasp um, with England, with especially with the Champions League, the way the rules are now, the rich clubs get richer because they're the ones that stay in. They're the ones that get the easy groups and they keep going through. The teams that, like I said, with Ikes and those sort of clubs that have an excellent youth system that just develop their clubs, develop their juniors, Chelsea, Man City, those clubs come along and pay a hundred million pounds, whatever it may be. Okay, to so get these players. So, Sav, just uh, refresh my memory. Who won the Champions League last year? Who was in the final? Sav. Yeah. Who was in the Champions League final last year? Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid. Right. Okay, but so no English clubs. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm. It's it's a two-edged sword because these guys go and buy all the best players. I'm assuming. 
I'm thinking, I'm predicting Chelsea's going to make the final this year. And I, I can tell you there are more Spanish players playing from Real Madrid than there are um, English players play, playing for Chelsea. Man City, I think, aren't, aren't even going to make their group. Which, I think you said, um, just, just on, the, on the point about um, uh, the English players not playing at the top in, in the big English teams, uh, that's absolutely true. There are some a sprinkling of players at, at, at the big teams, but I, I think you'll find that you'd get a big, big argument from FIFPRO, the, the players' union, uh, the restraint of trade, yeah, not allowing exactly. players to go where they want. I mean, they're, they're, actually, they're actually working very, very hard at the moment, FIFPRO, to abolish the transfer system. So, uh, yeah, so you'll see free movement all around the world. And, uh, and I think what's driving a lot of the decisions about player quotas, especially foreign player quotas in, in, in teams, is the fact that UEFA and FIFA have got their hands tied. I mean, you can't, it's a restraint of trade. You can't, uh, with, you can't sort of restrict where, where workers in, in normal life, in normal, uh, normal workforce, you can't restrict where they can go. And that's, crept into football too and now it's going to it's going to be wholesale if they, if they abolish the transfer system um it'll be wholesale and you know clubs will think oh it would be a disaster for them but they've survived every other change i mean the bosman ruling where where players go for free at the end of their contract i mean everyone thought that was going to be a disaster and it hasn't been uh, every club adjusts and uh to tell you the truth i think you know sav i mean i understand what you're saying cuz you you want you want your top clubs to be represented by People who you know who grew up and played in the for the grassroots of that of that of that country, but uh, but I kind of like the the mix of different yeah. nationalities in the in the EPL and watching Chelsea this morning. Oh my! The first half in particular, some of the football they played, and uh, I know it's a foreign legion, but geez, some of the football they played and some of the goals they scored were fantastic. So uh, I I enjoy it, but I understand what you're saying, Sav. Good on you, Sav. Appreciate your point of view. We'll take a quick break, Maddie and Roville. You're up next. We continue to chat about the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego and also Cricket Australia team Dr. Dr. Peter Bruckner will give us an update on the health of Philip Hughes um, at 1.45 tonight. We'll bring you the latest as soon as we know. We're talking the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego and my friend uh, there on the line <laughs> wanting to have a chat to you. 9429 you've got an opportunity to uh, chat to Carlos all the way through till 2 o'clock. Matt joins us. I'm from Roville. Hello, Matt. Hey guys, how are you? Good, good, mate. Yeah, good. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, if I don't spring Chelsea down to Melbourne, there's really no point. They're the most dominant team in Europe at the moment. <laughs> You're not a Chelsea supporter, are you, Matt? You know I'm a Chelsea supporter. <laughs> I certainly do. Good day this morning. They were terrific. They, 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 they were terrific this morning. This is the best. Uh, I mean, Jose's had a few Chelsea teams, uh, you know, uh, also broken up by his time elsewhere. Mm. But th- this is his best team. Uh, some of the football they played today, and they've got a guy who just can finish, Diego Costa. Uh, what, a, what a player that guy is. And, uh, and you know, there's talk of Real Madrid, by the way. Matt, you'd you be a bit worried about this. There's already talk about Real Madrid that he might be their marquee signing for next season. So, I mean, they'll Enjoy just break... Why you've got him. Yeah, they'll just break the bank to, to get what they want. So, uh, so Jose, I think he's got to get the best, the most out of Diego Costa and, and the Chelsea team this year. Right. You know, win the Champions League, win the Premier League, because that he might uh, he might lose him next year. So there's no salary caps, obviously. And who, yeah. what clubs have the most money? Like as a generalisation, is it the English ones or the leading Italian or the leading uh, Spanish? Clubs? Yeah, good question. I think the 
the English clubs have the money and they actually pay the players. Uh, the oh. Italian clubs from and a lot of supporters out yeah, there yeah, might yeah. not like what I've got to say, but uh, I've heard from players who have played in Italy who have got generous contracts, but they're not always paid on time, oh, hello. and some aren't even paid at different times. So I'm not. I'm not. It's not the same. Not you know painting the same brush with the, with the whole of the yeah. team football, but there are some clubs. But the English clubs, they. You know they're well known as as good payers and stuff. Spain at the moment, if you're anywhere below the top, you know three or four clubs, the money's not that great because of the economy over there. Right. Germany's fantastic. I mean they're really, really? oh yeah, they're, their economy's great. Their clubs are really well run, so that's a place to go. So I think from a um, from an exposure global exposure point of view, the English Premier League's the thing. Everyone watches that, uh, but probably the best league right now. For, for the technical football is, is probably Germany. And they've, wow. yeah, they've sort of come up uh, different rungs. In and that's Spain. led by Bayern Munich? Yeah, Bayern Munich. But there's yeah. some great teams there, and, and all the teams are, are very strong. Uh, and probably Spain would be a close second uh, by, from the technical point of view. But from a marketing perspective, English Premier League just kills them all. Good on you, Matt. Appreciate your call, Johnny. And, and, and sorry, uh, uh, Jason, with the, uh, the point about the salary cap, there are FIFA financial fair play rules right, right. now where you're only allowed to spend a certain amount or, or your debt to your turnover ratio has got to be a certain figure, and oh, uh, if right, you okay. if you actually get over that, you get fined. And uh, Man City was just fined the last twelve months oh, about fifty million pound. Didn't play. didn't care, but I mean, uh, but there are pressures on clubs now to make sure they just don't spend everything and more, just to try to keep their longevity. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well that makes great sense. Hey, John joins us in Mooney Ponds. Hello, John. Hi guys, how are we? Good, Good. mate. Look, I um just on what the uh I think the the caller uh, Sav, yeah, yeah about Sav, is it Sav? Yes, yeah, Sav. I sort of tend to agree with him, and obviously uh, the, the argument you've put up, uh, you know, unfortunately Premier League or the English FA have, uh, have dug their own, are digging their own grave continuously. Um, they've never had a proper youth system, um, and it's you know Premier League's become a uh, a billionaire's playground. Where you know youngsters, especially local players, so they don't get developed and they end up playing in championship. But I've read a statistic somewhere where in the, even in the championship uh, league, fifty percent of players are foreign. So I mean, depends on which side of the fence you're sitting on. Uh, from a patriotic, I guess if you're worried about Socceroos or England or whoever you follow, you'd like to have a limited number of uh, visa players. I'm kind of for that a little bit. I mean. You stole my thunder, I think, a bit colour, that um, German, the German model is fantastic. They have foreign players. But, I mean, look... So they, they, do they cap their foreign players, do they, Carlos? I'm not Germans. sure whether they cap they them. They cap, but I think they, there's something about that league, with the, way it's run, the way it's run, where they're just... Maybe it's their youth system as well, but they're able to have... You know, we don't see as many foreigners... Um, I think in Germany as much as you've probably seen the Premier League. Well, I don't think they need them, John. That's why, because they're just uh, all the German players are, are, are good players that come through yeah. that thing. Um, look, money rules English Premier League. It's just so much money involved. I mean, you talk about if you if you get out of the Championship and and, uh, and um, get promoted to the Premier League, it's worth like a hundred million yeah. pound to you. You know, just just a tr- just that promotion. Yeah. So everyone just breaks the bank. I mean, every team's in debt. Some handle the debt better than others. Uh, so it, apparently, the debt of the English Premier League is bigger than the debt of all the European leagues. That's how big the debt is. 
but the oh. exposure and the riches and the turnover is incredible amounts of turnover. But, but we've seen, I know it's I know it's a little while ago now, but we've seen Man U with you know with Beckham and and Giggs and Skulls and Neville and Neville's all coming through um, together. We we've seen clubs develop their youth. I can't think of another club that's done that. Right. Uh, and I don't think there's – I mean, there's some good – by the way, there's an argument too that the English players that do make it to the top now are incredibly good. Correct. So you're going to get – I mean, the guys who do break through are top, top players. Yeah. And so you just need a great coach. That's the other problem that England have. They don't tend to have a great national coach. Right. So, uh, you know, and this is the thing. I think there'll be that medium where England will have a, a, a terrific national team at some stage, but you've got to get all these – great quality young kids who are technically gifted coming through under a great coach and then you'll see them uh, making some noise on the world stage. As always, we're running out of time. So mm. many things to talk about, my <laughs> friend. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, get a couple of last points from uh, Carlos. We've been talking the world game all hour. Carlos Alberto Diego's been with us, mate. We've got about 50 seconds. Go yeah. through what we need coming up. Friday night, uh, victory versus Adelaide. Fantastic. Uh, people talk about the derbies. This is probably the great great interstate derby that's been long-standing. And I reckon it's a fantastic, uh, some fa- fantastic test for victory. And I'm going to go for them, Good. even though Adelaide are a great team. Saturday night, Brisbane. Uh, sorry, Saturday afternoon, Brisbane and Perth. Uh, Brisbane, geez, how are they going to react after sacking their coach uh, when everyone they'll didn't win. expect it? But they'll win, I think. West Sydney Wanderers and Sydney, derby. Who knows what that's going to be, but I think West Sydney Wanderers will get their first win of the season. Wellington and Melbourne City. Melbourne City away from home will win. And, of course, Newcastle and Central Coast. That'll be a draw. Hap- they're hapless. Both of those are <laughs> That'll hapless. be a draw. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee, that sounds fun. Hey, mate, you've been outstanding. Great fun. Thanks, Richinio. Oh, beautiful. Carlos Alberto Diego in the studio with us, and the four Diegos are back tonight. Hope he hasn't shot all these bullets. 11 p.m. on 11.16 SEN. Melbourne's home of sport.